my headphones were skull candy, so it's not like I was <laughs> straight from Walgreens. That's right. We made it this far without Benny having uh, professional headphones. And when I say we made it this far, I mean we've made it to episode 23 of the Belligerent Beeves podcast. MJ. MJ episode. Jumpman, 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 jumpman. Just jumped over for Yeezy. We're at 23 and it couldn't have come at a better time because you guys... We had an MJ performance yesterday. The Oregon State football team is bowl eligible for the first time since 2013. So much was different with the world back then. JP, you were not married. Neither of your children were born. Benny, that was before your first wedding, well before your second and probably third weddings. Uh, So many things were different in 2013. And we went to the Hawaii Bowl, a bowl game we won. And finally, once again, Oregon State University the Harvard of the Pac-12, located in Carvallis, Oregon, the Paris of the Pacific Northwest, is going bowling. Before we get into anything else in this episode, can we all just say go beeves and chop them? Chop them! Woo! Yeah! And my favorite part of it was it wasn't a close game. It wasn't a nail-biter. We just beat that private school ass and i was so happy to see it my name is terry horstman at terry horstman on twitter and i am joined as always by my esteemed co-host jp bertram and benjamin lawrence sebastian Weehage. uh jp i know there's been a a little bit of trouble on the home front from a covid standpoint (laughs) in in uh, northeast portland for you but uh we're going bowling, man. How do you feel? <laughs> I hope I'm out of quarantine before uh, <laughs> before that happens. But uh, I feel great besides that. I actually, I personally feel fine. So no concern for me. Don't uh, don't pour one out for me yet. But uh, right. I was uh, enjoying watching the game. And it feels good to get out in front of in these games. And it, it's nice to just watch really kind of how the team's built to win. From the defensive standpoint, for the offensive standpoint, when we get a lead, we can sustain and add to that, but also at the same time, relax the fan base a little bit. And I felt great all game long. For sure. For sure. Yeah, it was it it was weird to feel good the entire game. Yep. We ha- we even in games we've won at home. I, I think I, I was telling uh, I was joined in Minneapolis this weekend by a super secret Iskinder. We also drove down to Ames to watch the men's basketball team play Iowa State, which wasn't a great result. We'll talk about that at the end of the episode. Uh, but we were we were watching the game here the next day. And it, it felt weird to just feel good almost the entire time. I I, I manufactured some stress and, uh, <laughs> and and some complaints, but but overall, I thought uh, it was a, a incredible uh, start to finish performance. I it looked like Smith had the team ready to play. Uh, it looked like Lindgren had a a great approach and a game plan, and it looked like uh, the team really responded to a uh, to Trent Bray, but. Of course, mm-hmm. also joining us on this great episode is Benjamin Lawrence Sebastian Weehage from Tacoma, Washington, uh, wearing a dope ass Wu Tang shirt. Wu Tang Killer Bees were on a swarm. Benny, 
just real quick in in a few in a few sentences how how are you feeling after watching that Oregon State game last night I'm feeling fantastic uh it's funny because I think it, it was all the way back in September when we were recording and saying you know how this Beaver team specifically Chance Nolan was it was one of the first times in a long time that we've been able to feel comfortable watching and I think we were talking about just Chance but using sort of the metaphor as the entire team I haven't felt like it's been a comfortable watch since we said that until last night uh, or yesterday and um I think I texted you guys after it was 7-0 still and I said this game just feels different and it did and I think it was because it didn't feel like we had to score on every single offensive possession for us to be in the game and I mean even the games that we've won recently like against Utah we fell behind early and so it was nice to not have to scratch and claw our way back and um, certainly as both of you guys said made for a much more enjoyable and more stress-free uh, viewing experience for sure and we we talked about this this weekend too is the fact that that we get to have nice things in regards to Oregon State sports and it's been without complaining too much it's been a hell of a calendar year yep. it's been a hell of a calendar year but also you have to incorporate the fact that this football program for maybe a year and a half to two years was possibly the worst power five program in the country it was it was in it was in kansas range and yeah yep. not not that this is the point of the show but also uh kansas beat steve sarkeesian's <laughs> texas team last night in double overtime which is <laughs> objectively hilarious we won't talk anymore <laughs> about that but also just we're throwing that out there that's funny <laughs> and, but like man like like we talked about like okay like we do we we believed sort of for, for like for the first time not necessarily for the first time but it it seemed like there, there there you could tell you could put your finger on the seismic shift that that's happened in in what Smith has been doing. And we talked about this with Fenley last week, how Smith was, uh, including the Colorado game last week, was 0-4 in games when he could have clinched bowl eligibility. And that's the, the two final losses in 2019. And Monkey, the, back and the, off. The two losses, yeah, the two no. losses uh, these, these past few weeks against at Colorado and at Cal. And I, I think on this show, we we are here to one celebrate and just have fun talking talking beeves and being being around the program and shit like that but also applying appropriate criticism to the coaching staff and none of us have called for smith's head we were even hesitant i think i think we got some shit on social media for being too soft on the the tibisar angle but for Smith to get this kind of win in in this setting to clinch bowl eligibility for the first time since 2013, the first time in his career where this program was when he came in, like it is phenomenal. Like it 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 really reiterates the fact that Smith is ahead of schedule and he does do some in-game calls that drive me fucking bonkers. Uh, I texted about a few. We probably won't get to them because there's just more relevant positive shit for us to talk about. <laughs> but I mean, in 2018, I didn't think we'd be destroying an inferior Stanford team and being five and zero at home, 
even with some really disappointing results on the road in 2018, I was like, we're going to be the worst team in the country for another five years. So I think last night really was just for everyone who's been going through this last like eight, nine years of just trying, like trying to find a fucking identity and, and, and some, some emblems of positivity to grasp onto. And they're really, I texted a few different people this last night, like, in the third quarter, I was like, I really don't have much to complain about. And you guys know me. I will find shit to complain about. <laughs> it was yeah. weird. Yeah. <laughs> you were complaining all the first half. I know it wasn't like we were blowing it out in the first half, but you were there, complaining the whole first half. And I had to point out, we all called for a loss. We so did. <laughs> we were going to be happy with it. We're going to get our was. asses kicked by Arizona State next weekend. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think just to sort of add to your point, Terry, like, I mean, Oregon State had 28 straight losing seasons through, you know, the 80s, 90s, I guess the end of the 70s, 80s and 90s. Right. And. Mm-hmm. And I don't know a whole lot about that time, but it seems like it would be hard to be in more despair during that time than it was in the last nine years. And even though it wasn't as long, it was like Mike Riley left for the third time. Right. So it's like <laughs> he betrayed us for the third time. Second time. Well, he did. He did leave a third time after joining uh, Smith's staff. Oh, that's right. Okay, so second time. You're right. You're okay, right. but yeah, I don't but, think anyone so, was that upset about him leaving the third time. But the, 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 he but, just brought the he just yeah. brought the Nebraska recruits with him for the third yeah. time. It, it actually, right. maybe it was more so Bray than Riley. Right. Yeah. So so, anyways, he he left for the second time. So again, like you still feel betrayed by that. And then Anderson left mid season and not for another job just because he didn't want to be in Corvallis anymore or didn't want to be coaching or whatever. well. There's there were a, a lot of reasons. It wasn't just about. Being in Corvallis, he was running from Corvallis, but he was saving his marriage and his mental health. But but my point being <laughs> is that we had two coaches that just seemingly abandoned the program, and so it wasn't just losing games. It was like it felt like no one gave a shit like about the program at all. It seemed like it was probably at rock bottom and then it would just get worse. So it was like getting the monkey off the back and doing it the way that we did with somebody at the helm that you feel like is going to be sticking around for a while. It's a, a an amazing feeling. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah. And just to like to go back to that time, I remember when we hired Jonathan Smith, the state of Oregon media kind of was positive about I think it was overwhelmingly positive about it immediately. But in the way that they always are with Oregon State moves, like, yeah. oh, this is cute. Look at OSU. This might be fun. He was the quarterback of the Fiesta Bowl team. That's sweet. Whatever. It's the it's a good hire dot 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 for Oregon State. And and honestly, honestly, like I mean Smith maybe felt that way too. His first comment of his presser was like, it feels so good to be home. Like he sure. kind of was comfortable. He was happy to be back. Sure. Yeah. And our friend uh Baba Ganoush, uh, who's a big a big UW guy, the UW fan base wasn't really sad to see Smith go because it was kind of <laughs> hard for UW to sparse, like, okay, we we accumulated a lot of talent, we made it to the college level playoff. And and that 27, I think it was 17, 18, whatever, that UW team that made it to the playoff in Los Alabama what, was a phenomenal team. And Peterson sure. did a great job, whatever. Uh, 
but a lot of people levied the blame. That was 17. Yeah. So levied the blame on Smith for play calling. Yeah. And then Smith left, came to be the head coach at Oregon State, and the play calling at UW got worse. Clearly. And <laughs> our, our our UW friends were telling us like, oh, okay. And then it, it sort of got even like more and more like, yeah, like, all right, yeah, we took Smith for granted. We, we really did. And we were like, we like him. He's doing a good job. Like better recruits are coming and it is still a nice story, but we do need to see results. You need to see results at that standpoint. And why I like looking back on it, it was a good hire then and it's a good hire now because if it does work out, Smith is a guy who could potentially stay in Corvallis forever. And that's what you're trying to find because you don't want to get like a Les Miles or an Ed Ogeron or one of these guys who wins a lot of games but bounces from program to program a lot because they're just going to use Oregon State as a stepping stone. The likelihood of Smith being a national championship Rose Bowl type coach is even now pretty low. But if it does work, he's kind of already at his dream job. And for him to have taken this program to bowl eligibility in year four, not accounting for a pandemic when he was hired, is pretty fucking fantastic. We are hard on him on the show. I complain about certain play calls, whatever. I will eat my words on a lot of that shit because for us to be six and four at this point, from where we were when Anderson left and Corey Hall took over and we had zero identity. Hall in, baby. From where we were, from the first day of being Hall in to being six and four now and undefeated at home is, it's re, it is remarkable. It's, it yeah. is fucking remarkable. I yeah. saw like, a, I saw a tweet. It was from, I think five years ago today. And it was uh, Chad Johnson Jr. He got an offer from Oregon State and he called us first the University of Oregon State. And then uh, also use the hashtag haul in, which is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Clearly, that was never destined to work out as much as we would have hoped. But uh, no. I thought no. that was hilarious. I, yeah, I saw that today. It was like to the day. That's amazing. That's but yeah. we are chopping them and uh, you can't spell chop them without hope. And we're we're going bowling. So and I think there's a lot of hope to be had right now. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. You pointed uh, that out, Benny, on, on Twitter, especially saying we've got some young coaches, got some young coaches. And there was I, I don't know if it was a quote directly from Smith or if Kanzano was just sort of paraphrasing conversations he's had with Smith. But the the quote was that um, they're recruiting kids that want to be there, that want to be at Oregon State uh, and and made a point of saying that they are not going after kids that they need to like woo to come to Oregon State or try to convince them to come to Oregon State. Mm -hmm. And I think that is it's subtle, but it also means a lot. And that's how you turn a program like this around where you get kids to buy in and kids that, um, you know, want to play at a program like Oregon State. And that's it's not for everyone. It's not for like the flashy kids, but the kids that believe in the system are the ones that they're getting. And I think that will really, really help Smith be able to turn things around. I mean, it already has, obviously. I want to point out to you on top, just like add on to your your point of uh, the coaching staff being quite young. Mm-hmm. Our best run to date as a program was under Mike Riley. Yeah, when Mike Riley joined the program as head coach in 1997. He was 44. 
So wow, we're already ahead of pace there. If you think about like longevity, right? Because it seems like he was with the program for a long, long time, even after leaving for the Chargers and this little NFL stint. But yeah, that just shows you how much more this staff can progress with this program uh, because of the fact that uh, they're they're still young, they're still with it. I think that was also like a a knock on Raleigh and his staff towards the end is is that they just kind of aged out of you know, coaching and, and football. So yeah, these guys have a lot of road ahead of them. And if we can retain them and keep them, keep them on staff, we're in for uh, quite a run here. Right. For sure. And I, I don't, there wasn't anything like tangible that I can put my finger on, but like, obviously the defense had a much better game against Sanford than they've had probably all season, like given the opponent. And, um, it wasn't just like the play calling and the schemes, even though I, I did love the fact that like we were rushing the quarterback and getting pressure on the quarterback, but the defense was fired up and they, um, I mean, we saw a tweet and I forget who it was by, but it was last week after the news <laughs> about Tibisar came out where it was a defensive player that just put like an orange and black heart. So we read into that what you will, <laughs> but it seemed like Tipisar had lost the locker room. And yeah. this, I mean, the defense looked like they wanted to play it their did. hearts out for Bray. And that Dude. was fucking awesome to see. Twitter on Oregon state defense is it. It's the wild West. There's like, no, uh, it's, it's the meanest place like on the internet. I, I made a joke and some dude tried to chop my head off on, on Twitter <laughs> just cause I was like trying to have fun. I, I tweeted that shit. Like we, cause we made a, a three and out on the first D the first, we, we kicked off to Stanford to start the game. Right? <laughs> and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into beers and stuff. And then like into like our, uh, our proper organized segments. Right. But I actually, I, I thought of this tweet before the game and i was like i hope shit works out this way so that i can tweet this thing and we started the game we kicked off at stanford and we held them to a three and out so i i tweeted from my personal account not the babay's account as it has been widely documented documented i don't tweet from the babay's account it's it's, <laughs> it's too many too many typos to be from me as we know <laughs> <laughs> i tweeted oregon state university Fires Tim Tibisar as defensive coordinator. Oregon State football defense holds opponent to a single th th uh, three and out. Me. Oh, my God. Are we the 85 Bears? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people like that. Lots of people are like, ha ha. I feel the same way, too. Uh, one, but like one Twitter user tweeted at me, shut the fuck up. No one actually thinks this. This is dumb. But obviously, Tibisar sucks. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, yeah, it was a joke. It was a reference. I don't think we're the 85 Bears. I don't think Refrigerator Perry is the defensive uh, tackle or anything. I don't think we're going to hand the ball off to Walter Payton when we get the ball back. Clearly, we are better than the 85 Bears. <laughs> Did you see that dude's handle? Did it you was see that 85 handle? bears something. I don't know. I, yeah, no, bears 85 I, 10. Yeah, I, I fucking looked at It's literally <laughs> somebody on the bears. I looked at it for a second. I, dude, fuck off. That was so clearly the most <laughs> sarcastic fucking tweet. I was really happy that I thought of it, and I was really happy that the Oregon State defense uh, came together and made the play to make me, to allow me to tweet it. And yeah. But uh, but yeah, so uh, fuck that dude and uh, fuck the 85 bears. I wasn't alive <laughs> for that shit. Uh, 
I am yeah, you're old. old. You're old. You're all old. Yeah. 85 bears. No, not yeah, you. The 85 allowed, bears. We don't, we don't care bears. about you. I'm talking about the 21 B. Do you guys think it was just some fan from Chicago that just trolls the internet finding people who compare <laughs> their team to the 85 Probably. Bears? Because that's what everyone, anytime Probably. there's like a good defensive play in any kind of sport, people are like, oh, 85 bears. Um, but yeah, so I can. And then this guy's just here to ruin the fucking party. Try having fun for fucking once. Um, we should get to beverages before we get too uh, too deep into the weeds because we have a lot more football to uh, to talk about. Uh, Benny, I think I'm supposed to be starting with you for like the next like nine nine weeks in a row. Finally, uh, you're wearing <laughs> yeah. a dope. I thought you were gonna say I'm supposed to start with JP. No, I'm not. I'm supposed to be starting with Benny. You're wearing <laughs> a dope ass Wu Tang T-shirt that I believe you bought at the Wu Tang show that we went to together. Uh, I was wearing right. a Wu Tang shirt uh, up until five seconds ago to put on this incredible Chopham crew neck that I just got from the Belligerent Beeves merch store, uh, which you can get listener at belligerentbeeves.com and much more. Masks, fanny packs, koozies are sold out, but they might be coming back. Stickers, crop sweatshirts, t shirts, uh, and it's custom shirts for every guest episode we've ever had. Dude, Terry, I had an edible. You have to get to me first. I am going to keep waiting on Benny (laughs) and tune in to the the official Hulu series of the Belligerent Peace podcast, Wu-Tang, an American saga on Hulu. (laughs) And please tweet at me about it. No, Benny, I know you've had you've had several edibles. I love how we went from you being scared to talk about your edible intake to just being like Benny's high. (laughs) <laughs> on every episode <laughs> um we want to know we want to know what uh what you're uh, what you're sipping on what you're sipping on benny what, what what you got yeah first of all shout out to young dirty bastard uh he is he was amazing in so that good. show um yeah i'm drinking i know i recycle beers a lot but uh and this is a recycled beer but uh rogue dreamland because for obvious reasons <laughs> We're going, we're going bowling, bowling baby. We're in a dream, and we're because we're, we're in, a dream in a dreamland right now. But we're really going to be living on a, in a dreamland whenever we play in that bowl, because all three of us are going to sponsor be the pod, Rogue. What are you waiting yeah. Right. for? Yeah, they wanted to. You didn't tweet at them. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure that's the official, uh, you know, business proposition to at them, but <laughs> there there might be something that works. We'll we'll see. But Rogue Dreamland, a great beer, and a. Uh, how many yep. edibles have you had so far tonight? Uh, and two. just out of curiosity, who is your favorite member of the Wu-Tang Clan? Uh, ODB. I, I take that back. Oh, God, he's so fucking close. RZA. RZA. Yeah. Uh, for di- well, tie. It's a tie. It's a tie. It's a tie. ODB and RZA for completely different reasons. But, um, okay. but we're yeah. Gonna, we're going to have a special Wu-Tang episode uh, in, the, in the spring or summertime. When, when, when there when there's le- when there's less going on uh jp if hold on if i was asked that in front of wu-tang i would say <laughs> Michael Daniel, that motherfucker is yeah. jacked and i would be scared to say anything okay else. so so rizza slash odb slash method man uh you you've named a third That's of the right. group uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh jp what are you sipping on and uh if you care to uh share who your favorite member of wu-tang also is my favorite member is definitely ODB. I just love him. RIP. For sure. I, 
Yeah, yeah, and even some of his solo work oh, was still solo, phenomenal. So it's amazing. Oh yeah, Brooklyn yeah. Zoo. Yeah. Jimmy Shimmy. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm actually drinking. This is funny. I kind of pieced this together at the last minute, but it's it's gonna work. Hear me out. This is a local Traces Lager, pale lager. It is uh, from Trace Brewing. Trace Brewing is based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is the university that we played in the 2002 Insight Bowl when a young freshman named Trent Bray had just wrapped up his first season with Oregon State. So, in honor of Coach Bray leading the defense, uh, making a stand, Getting bowl eligibility. I'm drinking a local traces for you. Cheers, Hell yeah. coach. Can you, nice. JP? I have a question for you. Can, can you spell three takeaways without Trent Bray? <laughs> uh, it depends. It depends on what language you speak. Because if you understand silent letters yeah. in any regard, like yeah, and the, and then it yes. silent. The common, the common ones. <laughs> <laughs> the common silent letters it's three b taken yeah, away three taken away three ab taken yeah. away three b. yeah because you're taking away the ball and the ball starts with a b i can't explain this to you nope. any clearer doubter i don't know i don't get it I, yeah the, the, you know, the haters on, on Twitter, you just don't know how to speak yeah. English. It's your own fault. Don't yeah. blame us. If you knew how to speak English, you wouldn't be on Twitter. Yeah. Just a bunch, a bunch of, of fucking trolls. Yeah. So many trolls. But you cannot, you cannot spell three takeaways without you Trent can. Bray. We, ch- we tried. No. We checked. We tried. We checked. Yeah. We tried. I looked at the dictionary. You Carrie yelled at me when yeah. I tried. <laughs> We all know I get mad at Benny on uh, on all things phonics. If <laughs> and I give him a lot of reasons to be you mad. Sure do. Uh, before we get to my beer, I just want to say this: uh, this podcast is uh, is dedicated to all the haters who say we want to amount to nothing. Uh, to all the people who lived above the buildings that I, I was watching the game from that called the police on me when I was just trying to. Make some noise to, <laughs> to support my team. And to all the beavers in the struggle, you know what I'm saying? It's all good, baby, baby. I'm drinking a juicy IPA from beautiful Headfly Brewing just down the road from my apartment. And because it's a juicy IPA, it is called It Was All a Dream. And oh, you guys with the dream got theme. the dream theme. Nice. Uh, it was all a dream. Uh, if you've met me personally, you know that it was all a dream is tattooed on my left arm. Uh, that is my favorite Biggie song, which makes it my favorite song Same. in the world. And I think uh, it goes hand in hand with the theme of the season. JP, please play five seconds of Juicy by the Notorious B.I.G. It looked like you were ready for this. It you was all it was a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Something pepper and heavy. Up in the limousine. Uh, and we're fucking bowl eligible. <laughs> and this is just a really delicious, hazy, juicy IPA that, you know, has got some kick to it, but is uh, just very smooth and fun. And I have a crowler of it. I have another crowler in the fridge. It's just a celebration weekend. And you guys, you want to hear some spooky shit? Always, baby. Yes. So. We just brought up ODB. Older bastard. Rest in peace. 
He died 17 years ago yesterday. Ooh. I November 13th. Oh, I knew it was November. Whoa. His birthday is tomorrow, oh. November 15th. So we're in the like little sandwich part of this <laughs> like date thing here. <laughs> yeah. uh, JP, please play five seconds of uh, shimmy, shimmy, yam, shimmy, yam, shimmy, yay. There you go. You have to say that. Part. You gotta say that. Okay. That's right. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, I got you, Terry. Don't worry. I got you, Terry. Ben, please tell me how the request five seconds of certain songs. <laughs> I just did because you messed it up, Terry. I just, I just, I just messed it up. I'm sorry. Uh, rest in peace to the old dirty bastard. Uh, one of the best to ever do it, the most uh, original to ever do it. One of my favorite rappers and favorite artists. And if you're not watching Wu-Tang Clan American Saga on Hulu, the actor who plays ODB does it perfectly. And it's not Young Dirty Bastard. It's a different. He does do it uh, very well. Also, if you could get a chance to see Wu-Tang Clan in person, do it now before uh, before they all get too old. And Young young Dirty Bastard does the ODP parts. And Betty and I and Super Secret Skinder, who just left Minneapolis, can tell you firsthand. It's a perfect show. Yep. Cheers, motherfuckers. We're going bowling. Cheers. Yes. I want to talk about a lot of things in depth on the football team. Uh, First thing I think we need to talk about, we've touched on this a little bit, but we were recording last week, right? And in the middle of the episode, Jonathan Smith fires defensive coordinator Tim Tibisar. Benny... We were on. We were. We were on live with our friend Brian Fenley. Shout out to Brian Fenley, Fox Sports Los Angeles. Benny knows. knows. Benny wasn't on yet. He was still trying to get back to his place from Boulder, from being at the Colorado game. We also know Benny's the scoops guy. Benny, yeah. you couldn't scoop this because you weren't on the show. You couldn't scoop the Tibisar firing. You were still trying to get there. We scooped it to you. Because you were in transit yeah. with with shitty service, whatever. So, Benny, I want you to tell me with all of your scoops and all of your insider knowledge, did you did you expect this type of performance from this defense? It's first game sans Tibisar with a uh, Trent Bray in charge of uh, that that side of the team. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> Uh, but I will say I did read into that tweet. We were all talking about it after Tibisar got fired. Who it was it? It wasn't Jaden Grant. Who was it that tweeted? They tweeted something after Tibisar got fired. And so we all like I think collectively we're like, oh, Tibisar definitely lost the locker room. But there's been there's been reports to the contrary. The, uh, reports of the contrary that he yeah, he it wasn't a locker room issue. Uh, I don't think it was a locker room issue. I, I think there is some miscommunication, but I I, I, I don't think the team hated Tibisar. I don't think it was. a. I mean, if it wasn't a locker room issue, it's probably the issue of us like being one of his the historically bad defenses yeah. of, of the past. They were sick of that. They might have been yeah. sick of being put in the wrong position, essentially right. in the wrong scheme. But I thought that the team was going to want to win for Bray, um, but I didn't know. Like, I mean, they were being put in such bad positions that it was hard to tell 
if it was the defense that was bad from a schematics point of view or if it was a defense that was bad from a personnel point of view. So I wasn't expecting us to do as well as we did yesterday. And I think there was um, it was the uh, was it the Rajon Wright interception where Terry, you had tweeted, you're like, we lucked out. Uh, and I tweeted back or uh, texted back. Uh, no, because that was the exact play like we should have intercepted the ball. Right. But that play. Um, any other game, I feel like the the uh, defender would have just ran into the wide receiver, right? And so we were making plays that we were supposed to, and it would have been PI. Uh, we were making plays that we were supposed to make. Um, and their quarterback didn't play very well. He was like, what, the fifth string quarterback? I mean, he was far down the they, list. They played like three, three quarterbacks. quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So so they, we they were that, shorthanded. Like- um, but I feel like under Tibisar, they still would have been made to look like a legitimate Pac-12 offense. Um, and uh, Bray was putting him in the right spots. I think Bray showed that he called a much better game. Yeah, aggressive um, game. He, he, yeah, an aggressive game. Exactly. Um, and I think that he was able to put pressure on the quarterback uh, and our our corners specifically were showing that they were able to match up one-on-one, um, which it's like, if they were able to do that in the Sanford game, it almost begs the question of like, why was Tibisar not like at least dabbling with putting pressure on the quarterback at, in, in the games that he was calling. <laughs> the last two games. It was sort of <laughs> mind boggling. Um, right. But yeah, I was really happy. I thought that that, that was a better turnaround than I think anyone could have hoped for. Right. And any any cynic could point to Stanford's recent woes and their injury report, but you still got to take care of business. Yeah. And we had chances like that with inferior opponents, like like all the, all due respect towards Colorado and Cal. We should be beating both of those teams. Yeah. Right. So for them to take care of business the way they did is encouraging. And also we we talked about this. We've talked about this in multiple of our halftime Twitter spaces where we understand that we don't have the talent on defense to, to, to be the 85 bears or anywhere close to the 85 bears, but you know, to be creative and to, to manufacture pressure on, on the quarterback. It felt like we really made the opposing quarterback uncomfortable for yesterday sure. for the, for the first time, really though. And can I point out still no sacks, still no sacks, but and I and I'd, I'd love to have some sacks. I'd, I'd love to have you know six sacks, whatever. Uh, sacks are amazing, but they're also a misleading stat. And if you are knocking the quarterback down and not letting them get off, you know, passes with a lot of comfort, it's virtually the same thing. Yeah. Which which I'm not saying that we were doing that, but like it wasn't. But like, it was still an improvement. That was still an improvement yeah. over the last few weeks, especially. It, it was night and day yep. from what Chase Garbers was able to do when he was playing against us in that game in in Strawberry Canyon, where he beat our ass. Even though I've been told we never lose in Strawberry Canyon, but then we got our ass. Who and said beat that? Strawberry Canyon. I have no idea. Some <laughs> fucking hack. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so JP, how did you feel about the the defensive performance in this first game under Trent Bray? I think that that first series was pivotal. It set the tone. It was clear that they were going to be aggressive. They were going to pressure the quarterback. They were in his face. Uh, like pff, I have no idea how Stanford's line actually is, who's healthy, what, whatnot. And I know that this was like their third-string quarterback, really. 
because he was barely 18 years old. Right. <laughs> like, but we were right in there and we were forcing him to make throws that he could not make. And he, and he had no time to even make decisions on. And that set the tone for the entire game. And that's why we had the takeaways, especially the interceptions. That's why they just couldn't move the ball. Like they had, they had no rhythm. Um, and it's clear that <laughs> that was a missing element the last few weeks. And I, and I have no explanation really why we weren't, or if it was it a personnel issue, was it a scheme issue, whatever it was, it's, it's gone now. And this, this performance felt great. Absolutely great. I've seen the chainsaw out was so much fun again, especially yep. at home. Yeah. And they, they just, everyone looked like they were having fun. They didn't look downtrodden like they were just getting like pummeled down the field and, and couldn't stop the other team from moving the chains. They actually looked like they were like, yeah, I, I enjoy playing defense. And thank you for finally putting me in the right positions to to make plays. And I, I hope that that continues through these next two games to wrap up conference play. One thing sure. that uh, I wanted to point out, too, that became apparent uh, is that our offense is built to keep leads right like yeah just totally feed, feed the ball to baylor and and 23 and like, carries yeah and chance on his um i mean chance had a fucking hell of a game uh but chance i'm so much more comfortable with throwing short passes yep instead of trying to go for the long ball and um and, and come back he's not a quarterback at least in his development right now that is built to come back yeah, and he missed some deep balls. They did attempt, he did. and it's it's clear that that when those are the dire plays that we need, mm-hmm. we can't rely on right. that, and like we shouldn't rely on that. Like like at this point, that's unfair to Nolan to ask him to do to hit that throw when it's like everyone, especially the coaches, should know that that's not his style right now. Right. Um. So totally getting that lead, getting the three now, getting the lead, like just. It set up the entire game. Yeah. And I think the only game that is different from the, all the other victories that were very similar blueprint to this was USC. I was just thinking that. And I think they just came out being like, no, this is not going to happen again. Yeah. We're fucking done with this. Like, we're moving on. We're turning the page. We're winning here. We know we're a better team this year, especially. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, I think this last game was a perfect example of what our offense can accomplish when you put the ball in the hands of, of the playmakers. And I know we or chance chance missed uh champ on a hand, a couple of two different routes yeah. in particular, yeah. got him on another one, but that, that 67 yard touchdown to Trevon Bradford, like you can say that's lucky and that he, he broke one tackle and in, in experience, a couple tackles, may have, may have, yeah, a couple times and took a bad angle, but Bradford's made that play before. And also, uh, Treshawn Harrison was huge in this game. I, I feel like I bring him up every episode. I know we all, we're all hand, fans of Harrison, but he got the ball underneath a lot and converted on, on first downs and, and, stre- and stretched that defense out. And it really just felt like in situations like that, like, yeah, like chance, drop back three steps, maybe fake, maybe play action to BJ or Fenwick, maybe look at a, Tegan or Musgrave in in the flats to to keep the defense honest, but just do that and then throw it to your first read. Uh, Trevon or or Treshawn or, or Zariah Beeson had a really nice play, yeah. and 
let and then let and let the let the wide receiver make make some make some magic happen af- after mm-hmm. after the catch. I feel like we've been begging for this yeah. all year. Yeah. And even though Bradford's in the top 10 in receiving yards for the conference, and I, I think overall he's had a good season, and we've we've seen some good plays from the receiver downfield, the receivers downfield, but it's like we've got athletes. We talked about this in all of the preseason episodes. Like, how are we going to differentiate uh, all of the balls that need to go around? We know some people were going to be unhappy or some people weren't going to get enough targets, and that's fine, but in this last game, it really drove the point home for me that these are guys that can make plays with the ball in their hands. And in games where like I go back to the USC game where we called like nine fly sweeps and we joked about it. We called back the Riley era and being like, yeah, like let's get more five foot five receivers who we can hand the ball off to because Riley loved that shit. But it also kind of works because yeah. it gets it gets the defense moving east to west and they have to make a decision. And if you have a quarterback like Chance, who clearly is good at, uh, you know, making reads with handoffs and uh, play action and faking, they do a lot of work with that because of how much they use Coletto in the Coletto package, which we're going to talk about later, that that this game's really drove that point home for me that these are receivers who don't need to make very fucking deep routes. They don't need to run the most complicated route tree in college football. You can get them the ball in the flats. You can get them the ball on slants uh, and hitches and option routes and things where you, you know, you want to get, you want chance to get rid of the ball quickly and good shit can happen. And I think this was the best case scenario. I know that sounds a lot simpler than it actually is. And I don't want to presume that just, you know, dumb down the playbook more would have solved some of the offensive miscues in some of the previous games where, uh, when we lost, but this, this worked perfectly. And it, it really, it clearly wasn't that hard. It was just like, all right, here's the ball. Go, go make a play and the guys were yeah doing it. i mean we had seven different uh players that had uh at least one rushed attempt we had eight different players that had a reception um and it was almost i mean obviously as a quarterback it's going to be easier to play when you're up instead of when you're down but uh it did uh it it felt like we were able to establish our game plan and do what we wanted to do whereas in these other games except for usc like going all the way back to usc all the games between then and now it's like we've been we've been we've gone away from our game plan in like the first quarter it's felt like um and so it was nice to see us be able to get the ball in the hands of of players that we know can make huge plays um and we're we're able to do that it's you you wish that you could see that same sort of style uh, when we're trying to come back in some of these games, but it was great to see when we're up to. Yeah. One thing about getting the ball in players hands who can make big plays, it's not even the big plays, but also third down was so improved this game. And I think it's because of the two plays prior, we weren't throwing the ball in first down, you know, these deep balls for no reason, just to try to like move the chains or get a PI. Like we were actually sticking to our, real offense having a lot of third and shorts and we were 11 to 16 on third down which is i mean it's not phenomenal but like it's a lot better it's than good. it was pretty good. yeah what were they on third down 
because that four was, of eleven. See, that's that might yeah, be the Saturday game too. right there. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I don't think we had stopped uh, an opposing offense on third down all season before. It yeah. <laughs> didn't feel like it. <laughs> um, and when while we're talking about the offense, we have to. Uh, Give all of the shout outs possible to BJ Baylor or yeah, yeah. clips a thousand yards rushing. Uh, a dude who's been in the program for a while sat behind guys like Ryan Nall and Artavis Pierce and Jamar Jefferson and has just really been the catalyst uh, for this team. You know, the running backs before him may have had uh, had more highlights maybe more yards. I don't know where they all stack up historically, but none of them got the Beavers to bowl eligibility. And that's where the BJ Express has taken us this year. So shout out to BJ Baylor. If if I had a vote for team MVP at this point, I, I feel like he, he'd be my vote. He's been spectacular all season long. I don't want him to leave at the end of the year. I'm not mm. going to think about that, but he's been so good. Even though this past Saturday wasn't his best game again, again, he had a dope touchdown called back. I feel like he's had so many things called back uh, this season, but he's leading the conference in rushing and uh, eclipsing a thousand yards. He's like what the ninth, uh, Beaver back to eclipse a thousand in a season. I think time. so. It's the set. It's the seventeenth yeah. season that we've had uh, a running back yeah, with over a thousand. Yeah, I and mean, we could probably name who the other ones who had multiple. But shout yeah. out to Baylor because he probably would have had multiple with other programs. Yep. But I love the loyalty. I Dude. love yeah. the loyalty. He didn't just say, "Man, I'm just sitting behind this these guys. I'm done. I'm transferring. I'm out." Right. He yep. stuck it out. He waited for his opportunity. That is so rare in yeah. college sports these days right. especially when you have the talent that he has yeah right. absolutely absolutely yeah. and quiz was tweeting about it uh jamar was tweeting about it uh he was getting a lot of love from uh from former beaver football players on twitter about it he, you can just tell that bj is an all-time teammate and that you know the, the beaver fam loves him and uh and he and he fucking deserves this so i'm so happy for that kid tell yeah. him Yep. Um, and, and on that same note, too, like I, I want to talk about uh, this. This was this was the, the last note in the in the football notes of, of the segment. But, you know, we, we 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 highlighted bowl eligibility as kind of like a goal that we wanted to monitor this season. And I, I think it's easy for a lot of a lot of programs to sort of be like, all right, that means you you want you went like six and six, like what does that matter? And then you went to the fucking, you know, red box bowl in Orlando. And, and it, it's, it's just easy for like the gimmicks to pop up. And like, I, I, like, I don't want to push the back on that stuff like too hard. Uh, but I think for this team to get, be a bowl eligible team this year, we're still, and, and this is important for, for me and for us, as we talk about this program, because obviously we, uh, you know, we we react to things in the moment, and when we're really frustrated by certain plays and certain games, it's easy to overreact and get upset because uh, this team could be better than six and four, and yeah. there's there's clearly ways where like this team could have been further ahead of schedule than it is now, which is already pretty ridiculously ahead of schedule. For this team to be bowl eligible right now is incredible. Yeah. Two years ago, it was the worst. Two and a half years ago, it was the worst program in the country. 
argue. It was Kansas level shit. Yep. And there was almost no way out. And we just hired the quarterback of the best team ever, hoping that it would work out. And thank fucking God, he turned out to be a pretty damn good coach and had a plan. But there's a lot of guys on the team who showed up before Jonathan Smith did who deserve so much credit. Uh, we've talked, we've mentioned, we haven't talked about our offensive line a lot this year because you don't often talk about offensive lines when they're good or just when they're solid. We're lucky to have a really damn good offensive line. One guy in particular is Noose Keobunum, number 69. Nice. Uh, <laughs> dude enrolled, early enrolled spring of 2016 at Oregon State. He's been with the football team since spring of 2016. <laughs> Which means he spent most of the time being an offensive lineman for the worst football program like in the country and just has been solid and reliable and has helped elevate this program to something vastly above where it was when he got there. Like, that's incredible. Noose, uh, Jack Coletto has been there forever. We talk about Coletto all the time, but... Guys like Andre Hughes-Murray, Trevon Bradford has been on the team since 2016. Yeah. Like, we can talk about how gimmicky making a bowl is. And we we are we'll put on a Twitter poll like, oh, the Vegas Bowl or the Sun Bowl or like all this other shit. And we'll kind of like be like, oh, we want to go to Vegas because we can drink more and like blah, 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 blah. But who cares about the Vegas Bowl, really? Like, 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 fuck all that noise. Getting bowl eligibility is it means another month of practice. It means a crowning achievement for these guys to spend another month together to play in a game that, you know, you get a T-shirt. There's maybe some hardware that happens. It's so easy to roll your eyes at that shit. But for these guys who have been in this program for half a decade and have literally helped bring it back from the dead, mm -hmm. I'm so happy for yeah. them. And, and thankful I'm, for them. I'm yeah. thankful. I'm grateful. It's more fortitude than I've ever shown towards anything in my life. And I just I'm just ecstatic as all hell for them that they get this opportunity to spend all of December working towards whatever bowl game it ends up being, spend more time with their teammates for guys like Noose. I hope it means, you know, putting putting more putting more film on uh, or putting yeah putting more film on uh, on notice to maybe make it to the NFL. Uh, but even if it doesn't like hell, yeah, you guys deserve this so much. These guys that have put in shit. For two and ten and one and eleven teams, we can't we can't say shit about you no, ever. Right. And no I, one we just want to point out the all four of those players that you'd mentioned at least, all Pacific Northwest kids. Hell yeah. That's so, awesome. Well, yeah. and I and I feel like loyalty is sort of the that that's sort of the key word for Oregon State. It has been over the last four years, and and I think that's going to be uh, the identity that they build around is is loyalty, and it would be so easy for any one of those players to have entered into the transfer portal, and no one yeah, would have right. batted an eye or blamed them at all. Yeah. Um. But but like when these players go to Oregon State, and going back to the point that was made by Gonzano, it's like when these players go to Oregon State, it's players that want to be there, and they go there for a reason, and that reason isn't always you know as clear as the players that go to. 
you know, Oregon or Alabama or uh, USC or Notre Dame or wherever, like they go to Oregon State for a reason. Um, and so to see these players get rewarded with playing in a bowl game is right. um, I mean, they put a lot of blood, sweat and tears because they they care about the program. Um, so that's that's awesome to see, especially for a program that has had, you know, talked about it before, but but two coaches uh, sort of not I get Riley didn't give up on the program. He left for another program, right. but it felt that way with with both coaches. So to see these players stick it out, um, it means a lot as, you know, an alumni and, and a fan of the program. Right. And I don't disparage anyone who left. I don't disparage anyone who entered the portal. I don't disparage. No, that's your right. Totally. Who went who went pro early. I think like I would have jumped ship on this program if I was a player and had stock to be gained yeah. elsewhere. I'm just so fucking happy for these kids who stuck with it and have been around here and then a pandemic hit. So it turns out they're here like another year and a half, two years longer than maybe they intended, uh, which includes like another rough season. And some of them are still here and they didn't complain and they had every reason to jump ship and didn't. But now they're having the most fun. Now they're having the most fun. Yeah, exactly. And I'm so fucking happy for that. I'm just so happy for for all those kids, we we can't name the entire roster. Oh, we we could, we should, but just every 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 junior, senior, redshirt senior, uh, Avery Roberts is a guy we also don't talk about enough on this program. Same for for Omar Spates, every other offensive lineman, uh, you know, Levin Good, Kipper, all you guys, we 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 can't thank you enough. We honestly can't. Yeah, like we we could put together some kind of program to go on for hours of how we can thank y'all for what you've done to get this program to where it is now. It wouldn't be adequate. No, it just wouldn't. We'd give you free baby shirts, but I don't know how NIL works and I don't know how this (laughs) accepting gifts from a booster, but uh. just, yeah. Thank y'all for getting us here. Um, It's I I honestly, when Smith was hired, I I don't think I knew what year I was like, Oh, well, we'll be bowl eligible by x year like i didn't even know i kind of thought it might not even work out ever so it's just it's just fun even like you can sneeze at being six and four but this is a team that's six and four and was uh almost non-existent a few years ago so it's just fun and and we're 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 happy for the for the kids who made it happen so go beeves and uh and chop them two more games to go yeah big games huge games um, let's move on from football to football. Yes. If that's okay with you guys. Hell yeah. Ole. As we have said, we are a soccer school. Are we not a soccer we're school? We're a soccer we school. Are, uh, school. We're a f- motherfucking soccer school. Wait, wait. Uh, in the are final we a soccer game, school? Wait, we're a motherfucking soccer school. Uh, in the regular season finale for the men's soccer regular season, the Oregon State Beavers tie the University of Washington Huskies in a thrilling matchup by a final score of 2-2, which wins the Pac-12 championship outright, baby. And we are probably going to be the top seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, as we've mentioned before on the show several times, none of us really know how the <laughs> college soccer tournament works, but we're going to get into this. Uh, the tournament selection show is scheduled for tomorrow morning, which is Monday, November 15th. You're probably listening to this after 
it has already happened. So hopefully the Beavs are the one seed for the whole tournament or the one seed for the whole region. But uh, the highlights looked lit. It looked like y'all in Beaver Nation brought out the the energy for for the men's soccer team and that it was a frenzy at Paul Lorenzi. And guys, we might have the best soccer team in the country. That's pretty fucking fun. Yeah, and they also celebrate the best for winning the Pac-12 championship. You guys saw the uh, the quote as they were holding up the trophy, standing behind the Pac-12 champion sign, right? Which uh, they were taking from motivation from Kanye West. So if you guys did not catch this, the quote was, everybody wanted to know what we would do if we didn't win. And what's the answer? I guess we'll never know. <laughs> I guess we'll, do we have, I guess we'll never know shirts in the Babay store. There might, be, not, there might be, there might be. Yeah. They might be coming. <laughs> I can't tell. Uh, but yeah, I guess we'll never know what we would have done if we didn't win. Uh, there's a lot of fucking swag on this. No thing. kidding. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it so much. Um, all, uh, Muhammad Tiam's goal to uh, to go ahead. I think it was to to take take an early lead against UW. One of the sickest goals I've seen. The bend on that goal was crazy. <laughs> it literally it, it it looked like it hit the post. And literally just melted into the post and then like came out on the other side. <laughs> like th- that was the movement on that shit. It was so rad. Like it was a wild ass shot. Yeah. He made the goalie look like a member of the mafia because he had fucking concrete boots on. <laughs> <laughs> the, the goalie was just frozen in place. It was oh amazing. My God. Yeah, yeah, there there are now officially hits out on every member of uh, the Babes podcast. <laughs> I have to admit, I stopped watching because I turned it on, and then UW scored the tying goal, going uh, to one to one, like within thirty seconds. So I watched uh, about thirty seconds of the game. I watched it all. It was really fun. It was like, oh shit, this like going to overtime had me a little bit worried. Okay, look, we had already clinched a share of the Pactual Championship. Right. We could have celebrated either way. Yeah. There's clearly a ton of pride on this team when they were like, and like, it wasn't, it's not even one of those scenarios that you were playing the team that uh, was already out of it. And if they beat you, you still had a share. If this team beat you, they took your share. You know what I mean? Like, so there was definitely a lot of pride. They wanted to beat you, Dub, again, but uh, at the very least, take the tie and secure the outright championship. Um, and I was very worried going in to overtime that like anything can happen at that point. Right. Anything can happen. Well, it's just like, I feel like this team, it's just like the cardiac kids. Like they're just that kind of team. Like it was tied. So we scored, I, I believe right after, like at the very, very beginning of the second half. Right. That's what made it one. Oh, and UW tied it a little bit after that. And then it was this kind of like a game played in the midfield and it was one-to-one for a while. And it was like, oh, it's just going to be a tie game. <clears throat> and then UW scored yeah, in like the 86. And it's like, fuck. But then two minutes later, uh, Tiki gets his fifth goal of the year. 
like like immediately let less than two minutes after it i think yeah and just like in, in like a in a fashion that just suggests like this is just a team that just plays exciting fucking soccer and like it's not going to be boring if you're going to pay attention you're going to have a heart attack even like you didn't know that you cared about Oregon State soccer before this season started but now you're freaking the fuck out constantly and I feel like that's what the three of us have been doing so thank you to the Oregon State men's soccer team and to coach Terry Boss because like I, I if we don't win the national championship like I'm going to throw things like that's what's going to happen here I want this so bad for these dudes um it's it's been so fun that game was was wild. I still don't know how overtime rules works, but I'm happy that it ended with a tie and that we uh, held on uh, to win a, a full the full share of the Pac-12 title. I believe that's the first Pac-12. Uh, yeah, definitely the first uh, conference championship for men's soccer since uh, the conference went to the Pac-12. So that's awesome for those kids. It's awesome for Coach Terry Boss. And it's awesome for the program, just, you know, to highlight that. It's sort of crazy, too, because uh, I was looking it up, and the Pac-12 is one of the few conferences that doesn't have a conference tournament at the end of the season. Yeah. And that game against Washington, I mean, that's the closest thing that you're going to get to a conference championship game without having one. So that's pretty cool. So I, I'm wondering, uh, with the success, is there going to be a Paul Lorenzi frenzy section added to the Paul Lorenz field? Somebody's going to have to donate some money. Sponsored by the Bebe, sponsored by Rome. <laughs> Do we have enough money? For that? <laughs> hey, Rogue Brewery, please, uh, please uh, set it up. Um, the Paul Lorenzi Frenzy section, be. dude. That'd be amazing. That would be really sure cool. fucking should be. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And we'll, uh, we'll be paying close attention. By the time this comes out, we'll know who... Oregon State is playing in the NCAA tournament. We'll know where. Uh, I believe, I would imagine they get at least one home game. Yeah. So I, I have no idea how it works. <laughs> you fucking guys should drive down for it. I don't know what excuses you have or have prepared. Uh, JP's whole family has COVID. So I think that lines up, but may, maybe it's, you know, uh, 10, 10 days out or so. Uh, but yeah, best of luck to Oregon State. Men's soccer, the Pac-12 champions. We love you and um, can't wait. Can't wait to see what you guys do in the tournament. And can't wait um, to watch you guys for the years to come beat Oregon, who's probably going to reinstate their program now. That oh, yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> I'm so excited for the 2025 uh, Oregon, Oregon State soccer series. Fucking copycatting motherfuckers on original ass pricks. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about basketball just quickly. We got to get out of here yep. soon. Both men's and women's seasons have started. Uh, at the time of this recording, the women's team is 1-0 after beating <laughs> Loyola. Destroying. By a lot. Yeah, I that believe. was rough coming for close, them. C- Coming close to setting a program record in blocks, did they make it? Did they get there? I was at the I, I was at the game at Iowa State, so I wasn't watching while it happened. But uh, I don't know. I don't recall. But uh, it was one of those games where you're like, "Oh, okay, this is gonna be like a slugfest." And then you look away for five minutes, and you're like, "What happened? We just ripped <laughs> their hearts out and smashed them right in front of their eyes." From that point forward, I was. <laughs> like, 
there's no way that this program isn't going to just destroy opponents they're all gonna season be long. really good yeah yeah and like i'm not but, nothing against lmu like they're not they're not like a top program right i mean you know you don't see them around a lot i'm sure that they they do fine in conference but like they were show they were showing up in the first half especially uh but we we found our groove and made them forget that they even had any any slight bit of success against us to, <laughs> in the first two quarters we just like i'm just like taylor jones and candy brown like if y'all ain't ready for that shit just go the fuck home yeah like we have the most intimidating twin towers in women's college basketball so just back the fuck off if you if you if you ain't ready for the smoke just walk out the fucking floor like that is the most intimidating front court possible. And I, I think they'll either they'll, they'll just destroy this blocks record multiple times this year when they're, when they're playing team like teams that just aren't up to it. So LMU, not the first, not don't feel bad. Cause you're not the first because you're not the first. And I think while we're talking about basketball, we should mention to everyone that, Super Bowl weekend, we're the Bebe's are all planning to be together in Oregon. We're going to try and go to the women's basketball versus Oregon game at Gill on Friday, February 11th, and go to the men's basketball game at Gill against Stanford on Saturday, February 12th, and maybe do a live show somewhere in there. So if you're listening to this right now and a live show is something you would come out to, just keep that uh, keep that weekend in the calendar because we're fun. gonna and and maybe I might then, make it. <laughs> come on! <laughs> God damn it! God damn! JP might be there. Ben probably won't. Uh, super secret. Wait, what? I might, but super secret Skinder will be there for sure. Uh, and fucking Pomelina and Zed Tava. It will be all of the friends of the Babes, but none of the Babes, and they're all more fun than we are anyway. Fuck that shit. Anyway, uh, Oregon State lost to Iowa State in Ames. Uh. Myself and Super Secret Skins were there. Very frustrating game. All I'll say is it's a bold move to try and win a basketball game without making a shot. And I, I, I think we found out that you can't win a basketball game without making a shot. But I will say I was impressed by the energy level, by the effort. Uh, by the defensive movement. I thought they played uh, cohesively on defense. And also, I said this to Skins while we were in Ames, Iowa. Shout out to Ames, by the way. Great fans. Really fun town. Shout out to Hickory Park Barbecue. Delicious. Uh, BNC Fieldhouse Sports Bar, where we went after the game. We had such a good time. The fans were fantastic. It was really, really fucking fun. Uh, But... The t- the team played really well on defense, and uh, they'll 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 figure it out. Uh, yeah, I mean, defensively they looked pretty good. It was painful to watch offensive possessions. It was like it was it was it was a stark difference than the the uh, Portland State game, where it it looked like we had more weapons offensively against Portland State, like. Portland State, too, is no slouch. Like, they are going to be a good program. They have some pretty good transfers as well that played, like, at some big-time schools before transferring to Portland State. And we we survived that game, and we survived it because of our offensive game itself. So 
that team did not show up in Ames. That offensive team did not show up. No, what I meant to drive home at the end of my point was that this was this team hasn't played in front of fans in almost two years. And Iowa State fans love their fucking team. And this was the first game against another Power Five conference that they've gotten to show up for in almost two years. I guarantee you it was the loudest game that any of our players Probably. have ever played. In. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not I'm not using that as an excuse, but I'm like, I I, th- I think that effect was felt by our players and even the coaching staff. Like you think you would you could normally be like, oh, they play in the elite eight. The pressure there was way bigger, but also there was maybe a thousand people in the arena for the elite eight game. Yeah. And there is. And also on the flip side. Yeah. Game. Iowa State's fans knew we were an Elite Eight team. They were there to yeah. see their team beat an Elite Eight team. And, right. and they sucked. They sucked last year. Yeah, they were so two and twenty like, or something. Two, they were two and twenty-two last year, which I didn't realize until we got down there. But like yeah, like that. And they, they have a lot of transfers and they're trying to uh go back to where they were when the days under Fred Hoiberg. So this was a big game for them. Yeah. So I don't think it's a huge, huge cause for concern. It's disappointing that we shot as poorly as we did from the line. But I think there's a lot of positives Uh, to take away. Every line. Yeah. (laughs) From the yeah, from the free throw line, from the from the from fucking two feet from the basket. In the layup line. Everything. (laughs) But I was impressed with the energy level. I think guys like Glenn Taylor Jr. and Ahmad Rand and Dexter Cano and Deshaun Davis like all showed their inexperience in the game, yeah. but they all showed things to be excited about. Like all four of them did. They 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 didn't look like why the fuck are they here? Like they had made some mistakes and they weren't making shots, but neither was Luke. Lucas wasn't making shots. Hunt wasn't making shots. No one was making shots. But I specifically Taylor Taylor's defense and energy at the end of the game. I it looked like Tinkle was just using it as like. This is a audition opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're going to, you're going to learn some shit here. Yeah. And he made a couple mistakes and Tinkle lit into him during timeouts, but he went back out there and they all played with an energy that I was appreciative of. And that I think made a difference. And we did make a couple runs towards the end where it was like with a minute and a half left, we got it down to like eight and if we had just hit a couple shots, it would have been fine. That's that's what I get to though is Lucas needs to become a volume shooter. He was a secret weapon who like a defense could slack on and he would get open and have a nice look from three and he has a great stroke and he still has that shot. But he needs to become a volume shooter for this team to be successful. Like he needs to be a guy that is reliable on offense. To to make up that kind of deficit, right? If you're down eight and there's six minutes left, like you need to look to him to say, you're the three-point shooter on this team. You've got to take this shot. Make it or miss it, but take it. Yeah. And he just didn't get enough looks. And whether that was you know the offensive style for the game or just it was opportunistic or lack thereof, whatever. But he's gotta create more looks for himself. He's gotta get open. He's take it off the dribble. Like you don't have to catch and shoot everything. Like, especially from three. I mean, he took seven threes and he only took one non three point shot, but like he, that's still not enough. I mean, 
he's the only guy that that is reliable from three. And he's if he's gonna take seven, he's got to take fourteen. I don't I don't care. Like that would have won the game if he would have shot the same percentage and and shot double the three pointers. Like we could have won. So it seemed like we at least at the beginning of the game, it seemed like we were we were not getting the shots that we wanted, and and that almost is a testament to the team just taking a second to get used to each other. Um, because we know that Lucas can go off. We know that Alatisha is capable. I mean, Alatisha might have a 40 point game this year. Like yeah. he is definitely capable of that. So it's not, it's not the talent on the team. I think that it's just a matter of like the players need to know where all the other players are going to be on the court. And that just takes, that takes a little bit of getting used to. Yeah. There are some awkward, there are some awkward sequences on offense, especially yeah. where there's some ill-advised shots where you, they're rushed. They just <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this ball. <laughs> right. I'm in the wrong right. position with the ball at this point, which in is the shot clock. Which, I'm going to shoot. And it was, that was, yeah, definitely a testament to their lack of familiarity for sure. And cohesiveness as a team, which right is now. to me the biggest concern just because last season we talked a lot about Ethan Thompson. Yeah. And I don't think Ethan is overall that much more talented than anyone on the team this year. But Ethan was just able to calm everyone down in a way that I don't think I can ever see Gianni Hunt doing. Right. He was just a competent ball handler and a guy that could get to the basket that was like, all right, things are going pear-shaped right now. I'm going to settle everyone down and I'm going to get a layup. And that is so valuable. Like, Because that's when you go down seven points or nine points, Ethan would get things taken control of. He would get inside, run some clock, get a bucket. And then it's like, all right, now like let's do something crazy on defense to get a turnover and we'll get a three in transition or something like that. And when someone like Gianni or Lucas or Deshaun Davis uh, has the ball, you just don't have that same confidence. And that's not to say that that is impossible to find, but I just think it took Ethan, it took Ethan years to figure that out. Right. So it just sucks, but that's college sports. You don't get to have your guys forever, and it's next man up. And this this team has a ton of talent on it. But we looked, so when we looked deep. when the schedule came out. We looked at we we knew at at Iowa State, regardless of what happened last year, it was going to be a tough game. Yeah. And they ended up losing by ten in a game they could not have shot worse. So they're certainly are positive takeaways they just need to uh make those positive takeaways and hopefully we have a good game tomorrow night against tulsa and we can uh keep keep moving forward one one last thing though like as somebody who watched another prolific three-point shooter come to into his own right like curry was a guy in the nc2 tournament everyone was like whoa look at this skinny small dude shooting threes and it was exciting. And he gets in the NBA and he, what turned his career around other than the injuries was the volume shooting. It was that his coach backed him and said, shoot the ball. You are the best shooter I've ever seen. Shoot the ball. And he became a volume shooter and the confidence came with it. And the points came with it and the wins came with it. And the MVPs came with it and the championships came with it. I'll stop there. But, uh, I think that Lucas could do that. Somebody's got to get in his ear and say, you're the guy. Shoot the ball. Shoot the three. You have the touch. You have the shot. 
we will win when you shoot. I think and, it's just as simple as that. And that was Curry you're talking about, right? Yeah, Steph Curry. Steph Curry? Seth? Yeah. And, and he... No. Oh. Steph Curry. He was drafted by the Warriors in the 2009 draft. Yeah, and I think there was a team that had a chance to draft him twice in a row, like mm-hmm. right before the Warriors did, and who, took who, who two did, other point guards, some other guys like from Spain and some other short guy. Did you pick Johnny Flynn over him? I didn't pick anyone over him. It wasn't my choice. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I wasn't saying, so, uh, yeah, So, but you're saying it was, uh, there, there were a lot of injuries in, in Curry's career early on. No worry, yeah. And then it took a particular coach to take a particular approach to get him to uh, a particular I'm saying level. despite the injuries, he was still not very, a, a volume three-point shooter, which is clearly his game. Okay, I'm. I just, I just, I, f- I feel, I feel like he would have left Minnesota and done that. <laughs> okay, this is a totally even. different topic, Terry. <laughs> I know how you feel. I will never let you live it down that you guys took Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn back to back before. Stephanie. Johnny Flynn had a great smile. That David <laughs> Kahn will tell you today. Steph Curry has a very nice smile. Johnny <laughs> Flynn smiles better. That is literally why he took Johnny Flynn over Steph Curry. He will tell you today. It's a cursed franchise. Uh, I won't say my life is terrible because as we've outlined on this episode of Belligerent Beeves, the 23rd episode of Belligerent Beeves, this is where the music starts. Uh, thank you for tuning in. We have nice things in Corvallis, Oregon, y'all. We have a bowl game coming up. We have a Pac-12 soccer championship, uh, a dominant women's basketball team, and another exciting season of men's basketball happening. BJ Baylor is a 1,000-yard rusher. We beat the out of the Stanford. Finally, Cardinal. we chopped him. Fuck, we we ended chopped the tree. That street. We chopped him. Fuck private schools. Fuck private schools at all levels. Hey, hey. <laughs> <Just Whoa>. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> fuck Stanford specifically. Yeah. And David Shaw and his gargantuan salary. Shout out to Super Secret Iskinder, who hung out with me in Minneapolis this weekend and came with me to the Oregon State Iowa State game and watched the Oregon State Stanford game. Hey, predictions yesterday. though. Predictions mm-hmm. for ASU. I think we're gonna fucking lose. We're, we're gonna, gonna lose. lose. We're gonna lose. We're gonna lose. We're gonna Wait, lose. can we're I lose. say this to lose. 14? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 40, yeah, we're gonna lose by the full we age. So I just I just looked back at my uh my predictions from early in the season, and I'm on a I think I'm on a uh a, a seven game losing streak for my predictions. <laughs> <laughs> Um, going back to me predicting a loss at USC. So I've also, um, two and eight at this point in my predictions. Okay. So you thought we'd be worse at home and better on the road, essentially is what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. But what's interesting is I predicted last week, a loss against Stanford, which I also predicted at the beginning of the season. So I did not flip flop on that prediction. My prediction against ASU originally was a win 34, 31. I'm going to predict a loss 34, 31. Just because I am superstitious as hell. I see, I'm not. Fuck it. I, I don't care. You do care. I do care. But I mean, I care, but. Also, this is the. Uh, Loss, sure. I don't know. This is the old West Side's finale. R.I.P. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I really hope we do something with the field that's really fucking cool. I think we should do orange and black diagonal stripes in the end zone. That would be <laughs> fucking awesome. Like Notre Dame, except or- orange and black. 
Just orange end zones with with black Oregon State written across, just like we used to have in the two thousands teams, like before uh, before we flip flopped it when the the new the new East Side went up. We're not going to do any of that, you guys. I know, but not, like, not, hey, not to burst your bubble, but we're maybe you you want Oregon State University to do something cool. We'll just have to do it first, yeah, and then they'll copy well, us. Yeah. Give us the fucking keys to Research Stadium and. And the fucking paint. And give me and a we'll paintbrush. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, I don't think the university. Uh, but with, pour with one out for the West Side. Yeah. Pour one out for the West pour Side. For the West it's side. seen a lot. There a handful of them. Yeah. Seen a lot. Yeah. We'll, it served uh, us well. well. Thank uh, you. We'll we'll t- we'll tweet out um, some videos from the Oregon State classic le- classics legends and upsets uh, YouTube yeah. handle that uh, has a lot of a uh, lot of great great uh, Oregon State football YouTube videos through the years. Um, from Parker Stadium to Research Stadium and uh, whatever it was called before that. Bellfield. Bell- that was a different, that was a whole different, different play. I showed up in 2006. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a fucking lifer. I won't pretend. I'm going to have to take down my Twitter account that I made. Oregon State or Research Stadium Elevator. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> the elevator is not going to be around anymore. Oh, shit. I made that I've after a- like the ESPN crew got stuck in it. <laughs> that, ele- that elevator sucks. <laughs> can you can you just tweet that uh, on the day they tear it down, which is uh, next Sunday? I'll put out. Don't just say I'm dead or something. <laughs> Let everyone know it's over. <laughs> they're starting. They're, they're starting demolition next Sunday after yeah. the ASU game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Not fucking around. Oh. All right. Do you believe it now, Terry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> believe. Believe. Oh, that. That. Yeah. I. I sure. Do I believe it'll actually be cool? No. Do you believe uh, that they're maybe. actually going to do it? Weren't you like questioning it even after they yeah, came out? Yeah. I believe it when I see it. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I was told on my tour in 2004 that it was, was supposed to. It was supposed to be phase so, three. That was phase three. Yeah, uh, phase three was supposed to happen in 2007. It was. So yeah. My apologies if I'm not giving the universe. Look, I even credit. asked the athletic department about that, and they told me there was no phase three. They totally yeah, just yeah, wiped it was. under the rug. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was. I know. Fucking liars. And also the yeah. south, the south end zone was supposed to be two decks. What? Ooh. Yeah. I remember that honestly. Could it was they supposed to be a big horseshoe. Say that it's two decks? Yeah. It was supposed to be a big horseshoe. I fucking knew I remembered that. Yep. And the, and the, actually the west side and east side were gonna be identical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was I like a, remember that. It was gonna be a mini Ohio State, pretty much. Yeah. That's yeah, that's what I remember. It's supposed to be mini Ohio State. Yeah. yeah. E E Hoy told me about that. And also they told me that that on my tour. But we're getting something. Let's just appreciate what we're getting. Let's just appreciate Yeah, I was supposed to get this when I was 19, not 30. Yeah, but you wouldn't have been able to uh, uh, properly uh, appreciate it when you were 19 because they have all these cool, like, beer drinking areas now, right? Yeah, Yeah. that's true. That's true. And I would have been too shit-faced when I showed up to the games. (laughs) Well, you didn't have a cool fake ID, or did you? (laughs) You did. Yes, he did. His ID said he was from Alaska. Oh, Just that's right. He's of age and a fly white rapper. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't have finished. one that said Samuel F. Jackson. That is, such, that is the worst and best fake ID name I've ever heard. <laughs> it was a dude who was whiter than me, and his name was Samuel F. Jackson from Nebraska. <laughs> <I really laughs> 
I really think we should shut this down before we incriminate ourselves. <laughs> I didn't make it. I just used uh, it. You just found it. No, yeah, I just found these drugs in my system. Just kidding. We never did anything like that or used a fake ID. It's all in the name of fun. We are really excited about the West Side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're all predicting a beaver loss next week, but Oregon State football will win. Uh, we don't know how that's going to work out. Uh, my name is Terry Horseman. If you want to yell shit at me for making uh, not obvious enough 85 Bears jokes on Twitter, I'm at Terry Horseman on Twitter, <laughs> uh, at Terrence Horseman on Instagram. Please uh, hit me up. Uh, at Loose Butthole on OnlyFans. On OnlyFans. <laughs> oh, I am on OnlyFans too, for sure. So find me on OnlyFans. I won't share the name here, but, you know, that's a, uh, you know, it's, it's 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 a legit it's a legit you know c- community Benny don't don't say it with that tone of voice I'm you not saying it with any asshole. tone of voice you shame don't, don't don't you look at me with that tone of voice <laughs> you shut your mouth when you're talking to me that is Benny Weehage uh, Benjamin Lawrence Sebastian Weehage is his full name at Benny L 1986 on Twitter and Instagram we're also joined as always by J P Bertram the uh, the brains behind the whole operation. The trillest of them all. At the trill J, the underscore trill underscore J to trill to be real. And you can find all of us at belligerentbeeves.com. Hit up our merch store. There is dope new merch dropping daily. Uh, customized dope shit for every guest every guest episode uh all kinds of shit so you know just order order everything to your to your heart's content uh follow us on twitter at belligerentbeeves and on instagram at belligerentbeeves uh hit us up at belligerentbeeves at gmail.com we'll have a big uh mailbag episode sometime soon your oregon state beavers are full eligible for the first time since 2013. JP was not married yet. Benny was not married yet. JP's kids weren't born yet. I was the exact fucking same. But still, it's been a long time. (laughs) It's been a while since we've been full eligible. So go ham, Beaver Nation. Crack a Mickey's. Go to the Et. Go to Claude's. Have a fucking hammerhead. And, of course, tune in again next week to another episode of the Belligerent Beeves podcast. And, and, remember, you can't spell chop them without hope. Chop them! Chop them! Chop them!